Hello and welcome to the Living Hope Wesleyan podcast. If you would like more information about Living Hope Wesleyan Church, please visit our website at hopeforvermont.org. As well as if you're enjoying these podcasts, check out the live streams at Hope for Vermont on YouTube. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Jesus, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that we can come to you with great needs, but we can come to you in celebration because we know who you are. We know that you love us. We know that you help us. We know that you have a plan. And God, we just ask that we might be found faithful, that you would lead us and bring clarity to our minds and our hearts to know it is you speaking. And when you are sharing and telling us where to go and what to do and what to remove and how to live, that we would boldly obey you and desire to please you that we might serve others and show others your love your forgiveness and your help so jesus we thank you for your salvation and it's in your name jesus we pray amen amen and uh, we're excited that we are returned to um crossbrook middle school uh that's nine o'clock on sunday mornings nine o'clock a.m eastern standard time at crossbrook middle school if you'd like to help us set up eight o'clock is when uh, some volunteers show up we could always use uh, more many hands make light work my dad used to say and that was primarily with firewood and uh so if you could uh help with the chairs eight o'clock would be a great time for you to come and chair and join us there as well but as we continue uh this sunday we continue looking at colossians chapter 2 colossians chapter 2 and in colossians 2 we look at verse 7 where it closes with overflowing with thankfulness this is how we concluded last week and asking the question are you overflowing with thankfulness do you overflow with thankfulness are you filled with gratitude and an understanding of who god is and what he's done and how he's prepared your way his yoke is easy as scripture says his way makes sense but often we balk against what is right because we want to do it our own way but are you overflowing with thankfulness i trust that this week we've been able to put that into practice and see god's goodness and that we've begun to overflow a little bit more with thankfulness This is verse uh, 6 and 7 and i just want to conclude as we used these verses last week so then Just as you receive Christ, Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. We go on to verse 8 where it says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Once more, Paul writing from prison to a church, a congregation of people where he had never met them. He did not have a personal relationship. He did not have a friendship with them. But he had heard that they were taking this thought, this truth, this fact, these accounts of who Jesus was, what Jesus had done. And they were mixing them with their own experience, with their own education, with their own thought and saying, you know what, I kind of like this about this other religion, you would say, or about this other uh, aspect of philosophy. And so I'm going to mix it. It's going to be a Jesus plus one. Like, I really like the thought that Jesus forgave me of my sins, but it doesn't make sense that I don't have to do anything. So I'm just going to add a little bit of works religion into it. I'm going to add a little bit of my education, my philosophy, my understanding, my experience, my tradition with who Jesus is. And Paul is saying, no, you do not need to do that that is a wrong way to look 
Sorry, put the wrong slide on StreamYard. If you're watching on YouTube, Living Hope Wesleyan Church, you get to see the StreamYard slides or on the Facebook group, Twitter at Hope for Vermont. You get to see those slides as well. If you're watching on my Facebook account, you're just stuck with what's on screen, which it's scripture mostly, so that's not bad. But we want to emphasize, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. What is the best trap? What is the best way to lure someone in? What is the best way for a hunter to get its prey? It's to lure, it's to deceive, it's to trick, it's to lie and lie in such a way that's a believable lie. It's like the lie of saying chocolate is healthy, so eat as much chocolate as you want. Well, it has been proven, I guess, some chocolate can be healthy in certain amounts. But when you take a little bit of truth and you want to believe it, and sometimes we're more about affirmation than we are about actual truth, we want to have somebody confirm what we think is right instead of believing what is right. We find ourselves taken captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. How dangerous that is. What a reminder that when it says in um, at the end of verse 8, which depends on human tradition and the elementary spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ, the supernatural, the mystical, the things that people would believe is Jesus, but they say it's a higher power, would kind of think that it could be something spiritual or supernatural, but they don't identify it as Jesus. These are the elemental spiritual forces of this world, the things that we know as believers, as followers of Jesus, that this is God working, that this is God with a plan. But those that don't know, they just think it's some supernatural uh, force. And this is when we think, well, Jesus is great. God is good. Creation, I believe in. But Jesus must have a plus one. It must be God created, but he used. God did that possibly. But I think, well, that kind of makes sense. But I learned and I think that puts us in a difficult position when we're always trying to add to Jesus. We're always trying to add to what God has done when he's told us clearly that he is the way, the truth, and the life. In verse um, 8, this is the English Standard Version. It says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Yes, in the New Living Translation, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. I love this translation. It's not word for word translating the original language. It's more phrase by phrase or thought by thought. But don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. What a reminder that is for us. And going back, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, and depends, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. We recall, we are reminded, we believe, we remember, we are taught who Jesus is. And education is very good when it's trying to tell you what has taken place. It's trying to show you and illuminate, to light up, to bring to life scripture that overflows. It's just not digging from the bottom of the well, but it's overflowing. It's spilling out because it cannot be contained. The truth of who Jesus is. This is what we desire. Jesus does not require a plus one. We look at Colossians 2.9. 
For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. This is a reminder for in Christ all, for in Christ everything. For in Jesus, Colossians 3.3, hidden with Christ in God, for in him we are the branches, he is the vine. We are grafted into the life, into the source that gives life, into the root, the very uh, fabric of who Jesus is. This is what God is presenting for us to be a part of him. This is what he desires. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. All of God lived in Jesus. Jesus was completely God and completely human. God was completely in his sovereignty, in his wisdom, in his non-sinning life, completely in Jesus. And this is the example for us to be like Jesus as Jesus was God. And yes, it's overwhelming. And we think, man, that is too spiritual for me, or I don't even want to be that like-minded with Christ. God is saying, because my grace is sufficient, because I love you so much, because my peace does not make sense, because I am for you, you can love me and in your love change. And just like, well, maybe there are some, and I've had to work on it, that you are married and your wife would desire you to do something. And you're like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. Well, over time, if you're just like your wife would really like something to be changed, something to happen, something to uh, be thought of or appreciated or talked about. If everything was like, yeah, that's what she wants, but I don't want to change that much for her. I don't want to change that much for my wife. I don't want to change that much for then how much you really love them. Not because you do it because, oh, I have to do it. But as you love, you start to want to. Uh, Bethany's grandparents we were able to celebrate their 70th anniversary with them several years ago now and uh, i asked uh, grandpa bowers what's the secret and he said after the first 25 years it's smooth sailing and i guess it takes 25 years according to grandpa bowers where we start to put our wants and desires to the side and we really love the other and we start to serve the other as I mentioned last week, how Patrick Lencioni mentions in his book, The Motive, that servant leadership is simply leadership. And if you have to say, well, I'm a servant leader versus a real leader, then you're missing the point because real leadership is servant leadership. And Jesus came to serve us. And how did he come to serve us? By taking on flesh and blood, bones and skin so that he could reflect all the deity of who God is. Christ is all. In him is all. Colossians 2.10, And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is ahead over every power and authority. God is ahead. Christ is ahead over every power and authority. So this would lend itself to spiritual uh, high-horsedness. I don't even think that's a word, but sometimes we get it on our high horse. We think that we have a soapbox. We think that because Christ is head over every power and authority, that we don't have to obey the speed limits, that you can drink if you're not 
not 21 if you're younger than 21, that you can make your own laws, you can do your own things because eh, that's not true, that's not right. Well, I want to take us to a verse, a familiar passage. When we think that he, God, Christ, is ahead over every power and authority, sometimes we make excuses for doing what we want to do. We forget that God has ordained the leaders of this land, the leaders that are in rule over us. We forget that God has allowed that to happen for a specific purpose. And we look, well, let's go to Matthew. This is Matthew 22, 15 through 22. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap Jesus. That's the him in this story. To trap him with his own words. It's kind of giving somebody enough rope to hang themselves, as the expression goes. It's you allow them to tie themselves in knots. You allow them to get caught and to say something that is inappropriate or wrong, according to the law in this case. They sent their disciples to him, the the. Uh, Pharisees, the religious leaders, had their own followers. Followers of people who were called disciples. And so they sent their disciples. They said, hey, let's try to trick Jesus. So here's what you need to say. And so they said, okay, let's do it. Set him along with a Herodians. Teacher, they said to Jesus, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to to who they are. Wow, if you read this without understanding the context, you would say, well, they sound like they're born again, Bible-believing, God-fearing Christians. But if you read the context, if you understand the scripture, if you realize what they're doing, they're doing this to trick Jesus. They're doing this to uh, be, well, he calls them what they are in a little bit. They just want to deceive Jesus. They want to come across like, oh, they're so sincere. They're so uh, truthful. They recognize in humility who Jesus is. Jesus calls their bluffs. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, how many times has Jesus known our evil intent? Jesus has convicted us because he knows that we are coming not with righteous thought or in humility, but he knows that we are coming with evil intent. And Jesus says, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Jesus knew he could tell. And I would say, I would suggest that, yes, he was completely God. As we've said in Colossians, he had all the deity in him. But sometimes you don't have to be the most spiritual to realize that somebody is manufacturing something against you. You could tell by their body language. You could tell by what they're saying. And in the olden days, a mask was worn by an actor on the screen. And a mask was put on when they changed characters. And then they were known as hypocrites because that was not their true selves. That was who they were acting out. And Jesus says, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. So they brought to him a denarius and asked him whose image is on this and whose inscription, Jesus asked. And it would have been Tiberius is what uh, Chuck Swindoll mentioned. Caesar's, they replied, then he said to them, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. You foolish people, look at this coin. 
and use your mind and think for yourself. Give back to Caesar what is his, pay that tax, and give to God what is God's. And God says, give to me your life, give to me everything. Jesus would say, you know in the Old Testament that a tithe meant 10%. Give to me what it says in the law. And remember, you aren't covered by law, you're covered by grace, so you can give everything and know that I am for you, that I will provide for you, that I will protect you, that I will help you. When they heard this, they were amazed, so they left him and went away. Did they go away and say, hey, let's start paying our tax. Let's do the right thing. Let's obey what Jesus said, or do they leave him immediately because they were so convicted, that they were so overwhelmed by the truth of who Jesus is and what he was saying. They went away. That is Matthew 15, 22, 15 through 22. Matthew 22, 15 through 22. In verse 18, it says, you hypocrites. In verse 20 says, it says, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's. As we look, I just want to look at John 15, 18 and 19. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Jesus speaking, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. Verse 19, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own, as it is. You do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. The world hates you because... Jesus loves you. If the world hates you in the New Living Translation, remember that it hated me first. Verse 19, the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world. So it, the world hates you. This is the common verse we get. You are in the world, but you're not of the world. You are in the world, but you are not of the world. You are in the world. We live in the world, but we are not of the world. And that's where it takes us back to Colossians 2.10. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. So yes, we give to Caesar what is Caesar's. We give to God what is God's. We understand that we are in this world. We are not of it. We could take a stand and we could pray and intercede. And at times God will give us a platform to have a voice to share, but God would have us live differently. We would be a peculiar people. We would be uh, unique in our behavior. We would act differently as it's been said how uh, Christians in, throughout history did not just take care of their own that were sick, their own that were wounded, their own but they reached out to those that were their enemies, those that did not think like them, those that did not act like them, those that needed help. Christians would look through the eyes of Jesus and say, how can we help you though we think differently, though we believe differently? How can we show true, pure, righteous love to you? How can we lift you up? How can we just extend a hand of God's mercy to you? Whether you believe like us or not, we believe that's God's work. We believe that's what the Holy Spirit does, where he convicts, where he reveals to you that we are different by how we live and we know that he is the head over every power and authority. So we acknowledge that God, you allowed certain people in prominent positions so that we would obey the laws of the land and reflect your truth to one another and not just one another within our congregation, not just one another within our family, but one another 
in this world, because in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have sorrow. But God said that he has overcome the world. And because he has authority and power in everything, because Jesus was the fullness of deity, that Jesus knew what it took to live in this world, a righteous life, we can be like Jesus and reach that hand in his authority to those that disagree with us, that think that we are crazy. And we could show God's love in such a way that he he would use that compassion and love for them to draw them into his salvation. So it's all on Jesus once again. And yes, we do have to live a life that knows and understands that we are loved, but we simply do this because, well, if God loves me. I just want to love him back. I just want to love Jesus and love others because he's forgiven me and if everybody knew what I had done, if there was a screen and it reflected everything that I had done, that would be pretty embarrassing. But because of Jesus' forgiveness, it wipes it clean. It makes it new. And we are a new creation because of his power, his righteousness, and his authority. So go today knowing that you are forgiven. And if you have not asked Jesus to forgive you, simply Say, Jesus, I need you. I know how sinful I am and have been. And the thought that you would forgive me and you would make me clean and make me new. Oh, Jesus, I cry out for your forgiveness. I'm thankful for your salvation. I choose to not only believe that there is a supernatural power, but to follow the witness and example of Jesus made plain throughout Scripture. So if you've prayed that, welcome to the family. And know that we love him so we can serve others that they might know his love as well. Jesus, we thank you for your Scripture. We thank you that it is completely practical and relevant to what we are facing today in this society and our culture that your love transcends whatever takes place, whether we are friends, family, or foes, that you are here with us, that we might make your love known to others. Jesus, we thank you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Wesleyan Church, make sure to visit hopeforvermont.org, as well as don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, at Living Hope Wesleyan Church, where you can catch live stream versions of these services as well as other content. Have a great day.